BS You're Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And I'm Shelby, and I'm here with Matt. And who else do we have? Yes, this week we have a special guest, which is so exciting. One of my improv besties. Um, We go way back to level one when we you know just started i was i had never done improv before and i looked across the room and there was Voss, and she was funny and i was like i'm gonna be friends with this person and <laughs> a year and a half later she's on my podcast she is a comedian and a vlogger and really cool <laughs> all the way around jonas brothers stan i might oh, add nice. oh my god <laughs> okay okay Welcome to the club. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on. That is true. I am a Jonas Brothers stan and even a vlogger. Um. <laughs> Shelby, you um, should be quaking in your boots because I feel like Voss might be a bigger Jonas Brothers stan than you are a Taylor Swift stan, possibly. Well, the thing is, Taylor fans are a different breed. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you guys so have just hard been, to tell. you know, you guys have been sleeping for a decade or something. We'll see if you can rise to the to the bar we've set as far as standing goes. <laughs> to be quite honest with you, I really hope not. I don't have money like that. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. We recorded our pop culture roundup prematurely because of scheduling <laughs> conflicts. And when Shelby and I recorded, we were like, oh, nothing really is going on, like nothing crazy. And then as soon as we finished recording, Taylor Swift went and blew the <laughs> lid off uh, the internet. Drama. And so oh much drama has ensued. Shelby, can you like just catch us up on this oh, whole man. saga? It's very complicated. Okay, okay. So Taylor signed with Big Machine Records when she was 15 years old, and that's who she's been with forever. And then last year, November, she moved to Universal, I think. Um, actually, I, Republic. I think, she moved to Republic. I think it's Universal, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. And so she parted ways with Scott Borchetta, who runs Big Machine. And Big Machine's main claim to fame is Taylor Swift. But anyways, on Saturday or Sunday, I guess, it was announced that Scott Borchetta had sold Big Machine and all of its artist masters to Scooter Braun, who is the famous. only, yeah, <laughs> who like represents Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande. So he's a big name, and he's also known to the Swifties because he also represented Kanye <laughs> West during the Kimye Gate and all of that famous famous drama. So. It was sort of weird news, but it got really interesting when Taylor Swift took to Tumblr to write a long form essay about her feelings on it and feeling sort of betrayed by Scott, who she had been trying and trying and trying to buy her masters back for her first six albums. And he had always been like, no, 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 you'd have to stay on the label, like blah, blah, blah. And so her problem is that it's sold to Scooter, who she has this personal issue with because of the Kim and Justin and all the drama that happened. And she was like, you purposely sold this to someone who has bullied me of all the people you could have sold to, including me. Why would you give it to a man who has none of my interests at heart? And just kind of ended saying, like, I hope we can do better for young artists who are who are signing agreements they don't fully understand because they're told that's their only option. So that's sort of the drama. I have oh my, my thoughts. God. We haven't talked about it. So I'm curious to see what, <laughs> what you guys all think. Well, yeah, I, I, I well, I want to, here's my first take. I, this isn't my, this is my detailed take, but my first take is big machine. Um, I know them not only for representing Taylor, but from dominating the Spotify, um, like the album covers, like they always oh, throw yeah. their cheesy label like on top of <laughs> what was otherwise like a well graphic designed album. <laughs> yeah. um, so you're That's like listening true. to like you know like a, a like an old Taylor song. You look and you're like, what is this disgusting? It's just like it was on like a now <laughs> hits like a, radio. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was kind of excited to see them get some flack for that specifically. <laughs> um, yeah, justice was served. Justice was served, but I don't, I'm a little, um, I'm a little hesitant to really, um, to go against Taylor here. (laughs) To go with Taylor, yeah. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, I'm used to, I'm used to a lot of hot takes, so it's, it's fine. Shelby, I'm a Taylor fan. Yeah. I'm happy to hear, I'm, I'm a fan, not a stan, I think I would say. Yeah, Um, yeah. I've seen her probably 
four times live. I haven't been to the last two tours, so maybe that's three. I don't know. <laughs> it should be stated that Voss goes and sees a million concerts. Right. Like, more concerts than anyone I have ever met has seen. Um, yeah, I like to go because it, it, it comes from the Jonas and Taylor days where they would always go right. on tour and it was such a big part of it. But I think that Taylor's marketing and PR team are like the definition of evil geniuses. Like they're, they don't <laughs> stop at anything to make her relevant. And I think that they're like huge believers in any publicity is good publicity for her. And especially I think that they sometimes utilize um, like big movements in the like, so like socially for her gain, which is like kind of an eye roll. <laughs> That's so interesting <laughs> that you would you would give that to her team because Matt is always saying it's Taylor that's the evil genius, but but you see, Matt and I disagree here. People. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I am a I'm a big time believer that no person that famous, with maybe the exception of like Bieber, they've let him kind of do his thing, but nobody that famous with that curated of Instagram feed posts whatever they want without at least five eyes seeing it (laughs) well okay that's interesting that's interesting (laughs) you know that's a (laughs) that's a conversation for another day perhaps but I mean Matt what's your take here I mean, my immediate thought on <laughs> seeing this, and I feel like I've talked with multiple people in the last 24 hours about this, and we've all had the same take of like, she was trying to buy these masters back. She wanted control of her music. And it's not, it's the, it's standard practice from what I can tell that, that companies like own the masters. It's not usually like that the, mm-hmm. that the artist has them. And so she wanted to buy them back. And the company was like, no, we don't want to sell you these. We're making money off of this, which makes sense to them in a business model, I think. And she got upset that she couldn't get them. So she left. And then when she saw this opening where she could sort of like publicly shame them and I think try to (laughs) get the public involved in a way that could coerce them into giving them back to her, that she jumped on it. (laughs) And that is my take. Like, because here's the thing. Her, well, there's a couple of issues with her statement that she released. Okay, let's hear them. Okay, Okay. wait out, wait out for a second. Number one (laughs) is that Taylor Swift is known for bending the facts a little bit. That's what got her in all this trouble to begin with, with the Kim and Kanye thing, because she claimed one thing and then it turned out that that wasn't exactly true. And she's since sort of like pivoted and been able to like twist the story enough to be like, well, it wasn't really lying. It was this, it was the other thing. Mm -hmm. But I feel like people know generally that you can't necessarily take everything she says at face value. And with this story already, things have come out where it's like what she claimed Claimed was the deal that Big Machine was giving her wasn't exactly the deal. She claimed that she didn't know about well, any of this until it came out online, but then it sort of was like, well, she probably well, did. <laughs> well, if I can stop you, I mean, being a stan on Twitter, you get a lot of investigative yeah, research. Journalism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, the, the, The interesting thing about Scott Borchetta's rebuttal, which he posted on his website for the clicks, which is clever, it really sort of proved Taylor's point in a lot of ways because he was like, oh, your dad, he was on the board, so you would have known. But her dad actually was, he excused himself because he didn't want to have to make a decision about his daughter's works like that. And that was verified by a lawyer who also bowed out of the conversation because of an NDA that would keep them from telling Taylor anything anyways. Also, Taylor was in London. So the 9.45 p.m. that Scott texted her is like 3 (laughs) a.m. in London time, you know? So it's like she did wake up to the news. She hadn't been involved because her dad hadn't been a part of it. And so he just is sort of he is doing the same thing you're accusing Taylor of, which is twisting the truth just enough to make him look um, like he's the he's the victim or, you know, is her dad still managing her? Oh, no, she's she he's she's never been managed. I mean, I think like when she was first trying to sign, she was managed but by he's him. He's involved, but, right? In yeah. So he's a shareholder. He's in not Big strictly Machine. familial. Right. (laughs) Yeah. He's a shareholder in Big Machine. Um, but he doesn't like manage Taylor Swift herself or anything. I don't know. To me, it's still like it's 
it still seems suspect. I'm not 100% on board with this that like, oh my gosh, she had no idea that this was going down. Well, she had an idea that they were selling. She didn't know that they were selling a scooter brawn. Like that's the issue she had. She was like, I'm fine with you selling. I made peace with it. I don't like that you went and sold to someone who I've confided in you that I have disliked, that I've not trusted, that I've continued to like run into problems with. Vast, you have thoughts? (laughs) I just feel like um, it's a business. She's a brand. She needs to separate herself from the brand sometimes and understand that what's marketable about her isn't always her personally. And her personal relationships and her business relationships are separate. Um, well, they, nah. well, they're not, they, you know, they're not, <laughs> not with her. They're, ob- they're not with her. You're right. Not with her. But I think with stuff like that, it's like, that's the music. That's the stuff that's being sold. That's the moneymaker. She, um, is honestly dumb. If she thinks that it's going to, people are going to care whether or not she gets along with Scooter Braun or not. The, the right. issue with Taylor Swift, another issue that <laughs> is always that she like she wants what she wants when she wants it. So it's like when she mm-hmm. wants the, her personal, uh, well, I don't to think get that's... in the music to get in the deals <laughs> then she puts it out there but then at other times she's like I don't understand why people are talking about people my personal life in. like it's yeah. none of like people bring me yeah. into the drama I didn't want any of this and it's like well I don't know I mean like usually I would agree to a certain level but I think the issue here is that she's continually pressed for like better treatment of artists and you might think that's like obviously self you know selfish in a way because no. it benefits her but i mean this is something that she has admirable. been wanting i can see her wanting these masters and there are other famous artists who have who have you know done the same thing but it's really hard to get and mm-hmm. i think that she just right. saw like a door that opened to her <laughs> and was like hey you know i couldn't get these through traditional means but if i get enough people angry Which brings me to my second point about all of this, which is really, what exactly did Scooter Braun do? Because (laughs) the screenshot she posted was so ratchet. Like it's yeah. So she posts this picture that's like Justin Bieber and Kanye and Scooter, but it's like the (laughs) the caption was from Justin Bieber. So. like it doesn't feel to me that he ever did anything directly to her other than he worked for these people or managed these people that she didn't like. And then I, she's tried to make him out to be a monster. But since she posted this, a lot of people who he works with and is known have come out and been like, he's been great. I've worked with him for years and well, years. A lot it's of not people like, that he's worked with and known have come out and said, yeah, he's a douche who ruined my career, who ruined my friend's career, who's manipulated his artists, who's pushed Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande to people- work. People, even harder than they healthily should some of know? those people though are like taylor fair. swift's groupies though <laughs> well no, no. actually probably a lot of people legitimately have issues with scooter braun because he's like a he's literally a huge mi- uh, music industry like veteran obviously mm-hmm. he's going to be problematic in a mm-hmm. lot of ways because all of those people at that level are to a certain extent but my issue with her statement is the fact that she's like using me too-ish language around this issue that has nothing really to do with women's rights and all that kind of stuff. She's trying, in my opinion, she's using that kind of language to like pit Scooter Braun as like this like antagonist male yeah. figure against the mm-hmm. uh, against the careers of young women, which is like no Scooter Braun's against everyone. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think it's similar to like her like apple letter which was about the streaming rights or whatever and how she was gonna remove herself and she's like i want to do this because i have power and i can help unpowerful artists but that but everyone made fun of her for that too like everyone thought oh that's greedy that's selfish you're just you're just using language that protects you from looking greedy it felt a lot more right purposeful and professional like this felt like it was this felt like yeah, a tirade i think you know? we yes. can all agree that very few professional things come out of tumblr.com yes. <laughs> yeah i think her overall goal was hopefully to like i think it's more that you know she's looking back she's looking at this contract she signed yeah 15 year old had no business signing and she knows that that's things that consistently happen like you said that's a standard almost and it maybe shouldn't be especially with someone like taylor swift who is the sole songwriter on 40 percent of her songs and who has worked very hard to maintain control of her 
songwriting. So it seems like almost baffling that now someone else has partial rights to her music, you know? Completely. I'm confused on some of the details, though, because I feel like she has enough money where she could have bought it. Exactly. I think that's her frustration. Yeah, is that they needed to save that part of their catalog to sell the company at large. So it's like, what Mm -hmm. would they gain from selling it to her, even if that was maybe like the, you know, morally, Yeah. yeah, nicer choice. But the greed or the motivation that she mentions in the letter is that it's just these men backhand dealing and using her fortune to make their dollar. Well, it's and she's a still going to get paid decision. for her work, right? Yeah, yes. yeah. So she still gets <laughs> it, but I think it's more who's writing the check. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they've already gone on and changed. Like, Reputation has a lowercase R. They changed it to a capital R. Re-released all her CDs on iTunes to buy to have fans buy them again. They changed the Fearless album um, Wait, category from they? country to pop. The um, Scooter Bronze label or whoever. Oh, bought okay. it. Well, I haven't checked and been able to see if Red is still um, the ugly, <laughs> yeah. ugly yeah. logo around it or not. Yeah, we'll see if that gets fixed. <laughs> but <laughs> lots of drama, lots to unpack. I mean, I guess it's relevant that we're talking about a musical-driven <laughs> movie today. <laughs> the music industry is forever fascinating. Taylor yeah. Swift is forever fascinating. <laughs> Never a dull moment. Like, just when I thought she was getting a little boring, she came out with a strange, like, gay appropriation video, and then a week <laughs> later launches this attack. Um, but probably equally as strange is the movie that we watched this week yeah. for the podcast, which is Yesterday. Which I saw yesterday, so. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's going to be confusing. (laughs) Voss and I went and saw this together with some friends and laughed the whole way through it, partly for the movie being funny, partly because it was just so... Absurd. Yes. That's a good word for it. Because I, I like had seen all the reviews going into it. No one really liked it. Everyone was sort of like, what the F? This is the worst <laughs> Danny Boyle movie. And so I went in with kind of like low expectations and it didn't wow me, but it didn't like, it wasn't like bad to me. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, sitting through something like Serenity, that's where I feel baffled, you know? But this movie was just kind of mediocre, but I didn't feel like it was that I don't know. Strange, I guess. But I guess there's a lot to unpack there. I don't know. What were your thoughts, Voss? Okay, my thoughts on the movie experience, I'm going to kick it off with those. (laughs) Um, And my movie experience arriving to the movie with Matthew was that he unabashedly went straight to the the AMC subholders line and cut the line to get his... To get his free popcorn and drink, um, so that As that always. kicked it off. Um, and then you waited twenty minutes in the poor person line. So I did, I did, but I got I, I got a kids' meal, so it was it, it evened <laughs> out. Um, but my thoughts in the movie were those: I thought that they got some really easy things wrong. Um, most notably, the um, graphic design elements really drove me crazy. This (laughs) seems to be a theme. Um, But um, I thought that they were pretty spot on with the festival vibes up top. (laughs) I was just at a festival as recently as last weekend, and I... The, the scene where they're like, you got on this big festival and it's like a dream come true. To me, that was one of the best scenes in the entire movie because it showed him preparing and feeling like he was going to have this moment where his dreams were going to come true and he was going to play in this venue in this in this area that he's always longed to playing. And then he arrived and he was like at the kid's tent and nobody was paying attention. <laughs> That to me is very classic. Um, <laughs> and you hate to see it happen when you're at like a music festival and you walk past a tent where there's just like three drugged out like hippies <laughs> dancing around a band who's so excited and you know has been posting nonstop about performing there. So to me, that was one of the realest moments of the movie. And then from then on, it, it really piled it up and became crazy. <laughs> The thing that I felt I was confused about after watching this was why they marketed it the way they did. Because I would love to know. This movie is basically a rom com with Beatles music. Yes, there's like this <laughs> this like fantastical <laughs> element of like 
a change dimension or whatever mm-hmm. that they're living in where the Beatles don't exist. But the majority of the movie is a rom-com between the main guy, Jack, yeah. and then um, the British Lily James's. Yeah, Lily <laughs> James's, uh, her and her and her wig. <laughs> and, and I don't know why they didn't really play that up in any of the press for it. Now, granted, the movie did <laughs> fairly well this weekend. It made a lot more money than people thought it was going to going into it. But... I sort of feel like they could have made more money if they leaned into like Wait, so fun rom com with music. What did you think? Like, what did you think the premise was from the trailers then? Well, I thought it was going to be more of like some kind of caper where he's trying to get away with this con and there's like people who are trying to I find see. him out or. Uh-huh. Yeah, that or, was. Yeah, is that what you thought, Vas? Well, I had no idea. I'd really only seen one billboard. Um, <laughs> heard that there was a movie with Beatles music in it. I rarely go to the movies. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought there was going to be some sort of like commentary on like the Beatles were are timeless. Their music is timeless or their music right. is um, normal. And it was about them, the Beatles. Um, but in reality, we kind of got neither of those things. Um, and when yeah. those people were running after him and he kept seeing them in the crowd, that to me was one of the most high stakes moments and then they were when they were just like thanks <laughs> i was a little bit of a it was a little bit disappointing <laughs> so have you guys are you guys familiar with danny boyle's work like have you guys been fans of his other movies he did slumdog millionaire and uh 127 hours and 28 days later did he do Love Actually? Where did I see that somebody who did Love Actually was involved <laughs> the in The guy who wrote it. I think so. Oh. Oh. The person who wrote it, Richard Curtis, wrote Notting Hill and Bridget Jones' Diary and Love Actually. So, like, the writer is there a rom-com love, writer. Love Actually vibes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it definitely felt more like that than a, than a movie Slumdog that Danny Boyle had done. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't really have the same like gravitas as a man sawing off his arm with a spoon. I guess just to sort of like set up the plot a little bit, if somebody hasn't seen the movie or the trailer, this is the movie where a guy, he's like a, a struggling musician. Uh, there's a blackout all the way around the world and he gets hit by a bus while the blackout is happening. And then for whatever reason, when he wakes up, he is one of very few people who can remember any of the Beatles music. And so launches his career basically by stealing all of these Beatles songs, claiming that they're his own. Everybody thinks that they're so beautiful. How could he have written all of this music in such a short time? And then it sort of like spirals out of control for him morally and he feels bad that he's taking this music and eventually is like I'm going to give all of the Beatles music to the people I didn't write any of this and meanwhile there's this plot where his band manager played by Lily James is in love with him and she tells him this at the beginning of the movie and he's sort of like I like you but I'm also going to be a big music star and then of course at the end he realizes the thing that really matters is the people that you're with and he does love her which is very Slumdog Millionaire-esque I just have to just have to point that out. Yes, so. I guess that's true. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the criticism around this film, I mean, it's still done well. It has like 60% on Rotten Tomatoes, but the criticism really falls back on how it's sort of a waste of a premise. And like you guys said, it's mm. sort of strange that they they had this great idea, which is what if no one knew the Beatles and like what would the world look like without the Beatles? But they never really explore that question they never really ask that aside from like a throwaway joke where he's searching other artists who are maybe inspired by the Beatles and which ones made it and like I think Oasis is the one who didn't and so which is sort of like it would have been cool to see more of like that world and like does Ed Sheeran exist in a world that hadn't had the Beatles like I don't know it's a tough question to answer but the but the movie never went there and it seems like someone who realized the Beatles had never happened would be more curious about world history than just remembering all the songs that they wrote. Because, you know, I mean, they're a big band. They're a huge influence on like pop culture and music and everything. So. Well, that's something that I thought was that I liked about the movie. And I also didn't like about the movie is that when this 
whatever happens and you never get an explanation for what it is. It's just like a blackout. <laughs> you really Not only are the do. Beatles disappear, but like, yeah, Oasis isn't a thing. Coke <laughs> isn't a thing. Yeah. Harry Potter <laughs> isn't a thing. And you would have to think that like without the Beatles and all of the people who did all of the things like relating to their music, you know, they say, what is it? Like a butterfly flaps its wings yeah. and it changes all of history or whatever. That Without the Beatles and without Coke and without Harry Potter, like, the world would be vastly different. And oh, yet yeah. when he comes to, everything is exactly the same other than the fact that nobody remembers the Beatles. So it's almost mm-hmm. like a weird parallel dimension and not like a uh, like a we went back in time kind of thing. It's very strange. <laughs> and they, yeah, they never really address that. It's just sort of like a vehicle for this rom-com. <laughs> yeah, from a casting perspective, you would think that when they're going to have John Lennon played by not John Lennon, they would have Ed Sheeran not play himself as Ed Sheeran. <laughs> it's just the logic there didn't make sense. It's like, are the real are the celebrities real or fake in the movie? We're gonna <laughs> if we're gonna use real celebrities. That's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there I'm was a larger with issue with not with not having John Lennon in the film. But <laughs> Listen, I think let's bring yeah. John Lennon back to yeah. the movie. This is it. <laughs> Yeah. Of course, I like yeah. CGI John Lennon. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is like a wild fact I found out while I was researching this. Did you know that? Okay, so the budget of the movie was twenty six million dollars. Ten million of that <laughs> solely went to the Beatles so that they could use their music in this movie. Like yeah. half of the budget me. was just for the movie. Was just yeah, for the you music. could tell by the different title cards they were. They were playing across the screen. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Those like balloons at some point that floated up. I was like, yeah. this is clip art that you just pasted in here. This is terrible. Yeah. Somebody's nephew did that. Yeah. <laughs> there was Carl, some weird like stylistic. Yeah, there were some weird stylistic choices where it was like the title do- card design would always change. Sometimes it was the song titles. Sometimes it was the locations. It didn't really make sense why we needed to know when they were in LA versus, you know, I don't like Abbey Road because I think most people know. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) There were a lot of context clues that would have helped. And it felt a little bit reminiscent of um, Bohemian Rhapsody and sort of the cheese factor that was employed there. So it did feel yeah. like something was off, but story-wise, I was enjoying myself. I mean, yeah, it was fun. There were a few jokes that seemed to like play out well. I liked the like Google searches. I always thought those were funny. And then Ed Sheeran, I really want to discuss Ed Sheeran and like why he was involved and like how how they chose him of every singer-songwriter out there right now. And like, is he a good actor? And just unpack that a little. <laughs> Boss, do you have any experience with Ed Sheeran? I mean, no, I actually have never seen Ed Sheeran live. He did come and play Forest Hills, but my fr- my cousin fell asleep and we couldn't go to the concert. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Basically, Classic. At, Forest, at Forest Hills Stadium in Queens, New York, I'm born and raised in Queens, New York. You can go the day of and buy tickets like you can oh. at most venues. And we were going to go see Ed Sheeran, but she did ghost me and said she fell asleep. So <laughs> I'll never know if oh, she had no. actually fallen asleep or not. So yeah. I don't have any personal experience with Ed Sheeran when this most recent album came out I discovered it like truly eight months later and I told all my friends that Ed Sheeran came out with an amazing album and (laughs) they were like he came out with another album the same year and I just was like late on it um I thought Divide was fire yeah (laughs) so were you a fan of him in this movie did that work it was shocking (laughs) it was shocking to say the least I had oh because you had yeah That's right. Yeah, I hadn't seen him in any of the marketing. I guess I probably had seen an ad for it and saw that he made a cameo. But this is like the opposite of how movies are typically marketed. Movies are typically marketed with a small celebrity cameo that makes you think that they're going to be like in the whole movie. And then they're just in that literal clip that you saw in the ad. Mm -hmm. But this is the exact opposite. You saw a small clip of Ed Sheeran and (laughs) turns out he's playing himself full main character (laughs) in the movie. Yeah, I think I think he had the I think he was the fourth like he had the most speaking lines. uh, Like the fourth hundred percent. Yeah. Because it was the uh, main guy and girl and then Kate McCannon as the wacky manager (laughs) and then Ed Sheeran. That's the order. Yeah. But the thing about Ed Sheeran is like, was he playing himself? Was he not? Because if he was playing himself, he made himself look like a jerk, honestly, in moments. <laughs> yeah. I know. It was like, was he in on the joke? Like, I don't, I don't know I don't if he was. So. 
I did think that he did a halfway decent job in the movie. <laughs> Uh, it felt to me like when LeBron James was in Trainwrecked and it was like, oh, this this wasn't bad. This wasn't like bad. I, if I didn't know that you were a famous person, I like would have bought that you were playing uh, a a music star. You know, yeah. LeBron James in Trainwreck though is an iconic performance. <laughs> I Ed Sheeran's performance in um, Yesterday was was solid. Iconic, I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I mean, he probably just took the feedback from his game of thrones cameo and just tried a little harder oh, yeah, i forgot about that oh yeah <laughs> wow he, he, he got he got a bite of the he got he got the bug yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it was i mean the funniest joke in the movie was probably when his phone rings and it's his own song <laughs> like i really oh, enjoyed oh, yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i also liked when he um he showed up in the kitchen or whatever and the parent and the dad is like oh this guy looks like ed sheer <laughs> yeah that was really funny yeah there were some jokes there were some jokes but i think like i ended up liking the ending really you know i'm a sucker for like a big romantic moment and like the ending with that one song where it's just a montage of them living happily ever after it really just uh. like warmed me up but i'll have to say the like the climax of, <laughs> of oh, this yeah. moment was probably the worst thought out thing I've seen since like five feet apart in cinematic history. Cause I think <laughs> it's just weird that such a, you know, this is a pretty big movie. It's a well-known director, well-known writer, good actors. It's strange that this is how it ended because I mean, spoiler alert, I guess, but he's performing for some reason, first of all, Ed Sheeran allows him as a favor to come in and close his show for him. This unknown like always goes down at concerts. This unknown singer songwriter plays a few songs and then makes this announcement where, for some unknown reason, he projects his girlfriend on the big screen to then tell her that he loves her and also he's been lying and he didn't write these songs. And the Beatles did. And also, he's going to release the music for free. And it's just like cuts to his sidekick, like groupie, Rocky, hitting this button that just says, like, upload all songs. And it's just like instantly done. Like, it was just like, it was a strange moment that just had a lot of logical gaps for me. For first of all, just like basic contract law. And I just wonder... <laughs> Which we know like, a lot about now yeah. with this Scooter Braun case. Yeah, like, a professional. Yeah, yes. it's like, that's not going to last long. It's like, he's in breach of contract. He could be sued for millions. Like, his happily ever after never happened. Like, I just... I don't know what he was thinking and if it was necessary, you know? The part that confused me more than any of that was why he had to project the girlfriend's face yeah. on the screen <laughs> oh behind him. God. Because why she couldn't see yeah. him and he couldn't <laughs> was, see her. It was it, just very weird. Me, it felt like, okay, A Star is Born came out. The directors and writers of this movie, they had a star, uh, uh, a star is Born moment where she comes out on stage and they went, oh my God, that was too iconic. And A Star is Born, we have to change it. And they like <laughs> so refilmed it to be something different. <laughs> <laughs> well, similar to A Star is Born, one of the questions I had is like, would this guy become this instantly famous in today's world? Like, I feel like A Star is Born wanted us to believe that these... I don't even know what genre Bradley Cooper was in, but that he was this big, huge <laughs> star. And, like, similarly, they're trying to make us believe that suddenly this guy strumming on his guitar would launch to, like, stardom and be everyone's star. And it's just like, I don't know. I, I think that would have been an interesting thing to explore, too, is, like, could the Beatles be successful in today's world? Because I kind of yeah. just, I doubt it a little bit, you know? Maybe with their genre of music, I'm not sure. But I think that that level of immediate fame does exist. Yeah. I was literally... I live at home and um, this morning I woke up and I, my mom was leaving and she was like, oh, I was just watching the news. Did you see Lil Nas X is gay? <laughs> and I was like, my mom knows who Lil Nas X is. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> AKA for those moment. of you who don't know, I got the horses in the back, old you know, old town road <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> creator, performer, artist, um, icon. Yeah. Um, but my mom literally was, was hitting me with the Lil Nas X, like the latest on <laughs> 
his sexuality and I was like oh about you know six months ago less even people didn't, had no idea who he was let alone for him to be a household right. name that's true so I think that quick that fast fame is definitely achievable yeah I guess so Ed Sheeran would feel so <laughs> threatened instantly <laughs> I was more surprised that the record label was like, you know how we're going to launch you with yeah. a double album of like 50 <laughs> songs. That felt yeah. like, uh, why? They're just exactly. all so good, Matt. They're the greatest songs they've ever heard. Okay. <laughs> have either of you ever watched a visual album other than Lemonade? Because I definitely have not. No. <laughs> I have also watched Beyonce. So two visual <laughs> oh, albums, so but sorry. only by I'm the so same sorry. person. Yeah. <laughs> The only person allowed to do visual albums. <laughs> I mean, truly, yes. <laughs> yeah. Who else should try? Uh, one of the things that had a lot of controversy around it was the scene toward the end of the movie where the main character is given the not dead anymore John Lennon's address and he shows up at this cottage where a John Lennon lookalike is playing John Lennon who was like never in the Beatles never mm. married Yoko Ono never was shot just like lived his life out on this beach somewhere and gives Jack the advice of like family's the most important thing the other members of the Beatles who are still living apparently saw this and gave it its approval but people felt like it was somehow irreverent did either of you have a take that was like, oh my gosh, I'm offended by this moment? No, I guess I I didn't feel offended. I thought it was sort of funny, which I guess could be offensive. Like, I don't know. I think it was meant to be a little like tongue in cheek, right? Or do you think they For meant it sure. to be just the like moment- pure feelings <laughs> he says something like i loved a woman once but things didn't work out <laughs> and i was yeah. like oh come on somebody pulled up the wikipedia for john lennon and was like what drama can we act like never happened um, yeah. but in regards to the beatles approving this here's how i visualized it went down there like, all right paul mccartney all right you know the other one's still alive this is bad um (laughs) but they're like all right paul mccartney um come sit in this theater and watch this scene of your former bandmate and he literally probably sat down looked at his person and was like dude how much 10 million oh yeah i'm cool with whatever (laughs) (laughs) i don't think they really care at this point yeah, and like who how do we know when they gave approval because originally this was supposed to be a musical that was set in the 60s and centered on a struggling musician who thinks he's the only person who can remember the Beatles. So it kind of it kind of snowballed into something totally different. So who knows like when the Beatles gave their approval and if they knew about the John Lennon appearance. I was honestly shook when I saw it because <laughs> I did not realize that it was an actor and I was like, oh my gosh, they're doing that like de-aging <laughs> like reproduction yeah. hologram thing and making John Lennon. Like, this is so cool. <laughs> and then it was only afterwards that I was like, oh, that was just a guy who looked <laughs> like him. Like that, there was no technology yeah. involved other than they gave yeah. him those weird round glasses. Like yeah, you're an idiot. Also the round glasses. Like, yeah. okay, he didn't find he couldn't find the songs, but he still found his iconic look. Yeah. <laughs> Could the yeah. round glasses exist Some at things the never we'll change. never know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot of questions in the end of the movie, and I think um people enjoy sort of talking about that and poking fun of it. I mean my question, I really was wondering the whole movie. I thought it was going to end up mattering, and it didn't. But <laughs> what did he sing as a seventh grader at his at his um, oh. talent Oasis. show? But they Oasis. don't exist anymore, remember? So I just oh. really wanted them to oh. tell me what he sung. Because I thought like oh. they had the flashback, and he was singing Oasis. And I thought he was going to go ask her what he sung to like, I don't know what I thought that would what that would show but I was really curious you know well wow. I I that's was really not detailed, I was thing. not honed in on that at all but Cause that's when she fell in love with him you know that's what she says in her monologue that she's given oh, yeah, is true I've been in love with you since this you know anyways <laughs> yeah a moment that I would like to address and call attention to is when they seem to have this ritual where he hops out of the car on the side of the road to <laughs> pick up his bike, unclear, because it seems to happen all the time where he's just, let me out. 
and <laughs> he comes around to the driver's side or maybe not the driver's side and she leans over and kisses him on the cheek like when that happens yeah. It, yeah. Like it happens all the time and there's literally not one reason in the entire world why they couldn't just kiss on the cheek while he's still in the car and then he could get out <laughs> like that's this a is good like an point old- it was so weird. I think that also speaks to the the strangest thing is that he would friend zone Lily James. You know what I mean? Like that that was the unbelievable part of this film to I me. Mean, did you see her pajamas? That's why. <laughs> I think what would have made this movie more interesting is if the roles had been reversed and Lily James was the like sort of energetic rock star wannabe and he was the straight laced like you know, manager who is trying to keep her grounded. Cause I think that scene where they're recording like the first, you know, demo was so much fun. And she just has so much charisma and energy that he, for some reason wasn't bringing. And I couldn't tell if it was like a character choice or he just wasn't great. But I think it would have been a lot more fun to have, first of all, a woman try and fill the Beatles shoes and like explore that. But also just her as an actor, I think would have made it a lot more interesting of a role i was waiting for her to have some kind of like more singing presence after mama mia 2 (laughs) here we go again which was a classic film of last summer and she clearly has vocal chops so i don't understand why they didn't utilize that more i guess yeah she was an underutilized character for sure when it comes to recording, why would that guy ever open a um, recording studio next to a train track? <laughs> it's, just, it's so, it's funny, haha, but um, also so inconvenient. <laughs> I think he was just like sort of a nobody. Like I didn't yeah. feel like he he knew what he was doing, you know? No, Clearly sure. not. Clearly not. Clearly not. Also just the odds of Ed Sheeran like hearing that one like oh, what, yes. it was like a listening like to the a, local radio yeah. station yeah <laughs> that's, that's actually big Ed Sheeran had big Scooter Braun vibes there yeah yes <laughs> like, I'm discovering you and then he got really sad when he realized he wasn't the greatest songwriter <laughs> poor Ed Shelby can you guess what my least favorite part of this movie my least favorite scene was <laughs> oh no I mean there's just so many options I guess I'm not sure there is one very clear <laughs> option based on people who sh- pop up in movies where they don't belong <laughs> at all and just uh, are all over the place to a point that it's it's like aggravating that they're there <laughs> I was so annoyed when James Corden oh yeah I, I, forgot. I forgot he was in this that turned out to be such a non-moment but yeah I was just like I roll James Corden weasels his way into anything that has any music in it at all he's yeah. like hey guys remember I can sing and I also am friends with celebrities like no one cares James was he better in this or in Ocean's 8. Which one would you take? Oh gosh. I th- he was in this one less. And but he was playing himself in this one yeah. where he was playing some kind of dopey inspector in Ocean's 8. So they were both bad. I'm also yeah. not excited to see him in Cats or yeah, he was, he's is? in something else that's coming out soon that was just announced and now I can't remember what it was. Let me look this up. Keep talking about how much you hate him or something and I'll and I'll figure it out. I mean, I guess I don't have strong thoughts about James Corden, so it's hard to kind of fill this gap with. Uh, I mean, I will say if we're just talking James. Oh, Corden, the prom—that's what okay. he's going to be. They're in. making that a movie. <laughs> yes, they're making it a movie, and the main character, who's or the main male character, who's like a sixty-five-year-old washed-up gay Broadway star, is now going to be played by James Corden. Corden? So, <laughs> yes. <up. laughs> yeah. Listen, he's just trying to flex that. That My mom has a crush muscle. on him. Yeah, <laughs> he just he just wants to sing. Your mom has an has a crush. My on mom him? has a crush on James Corden. Well, after Lil Nas X is sort of like off her <laughs> plate at this off point, the, off the plate, not a baby yeah. off her plate. She could have a six-year-old straight man yeah. playing a gay man in the prom. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, quick question. So. There's like this gag that Coke no longer exists in this movie, which the first part I was like, is that related to the Beatles somehow? But it wasn't. It's just a gag. Yeah. And I guess I wondered 
who paid for the product placement? Did Pepsi or did Coke? Because they weren't really nice to Pepsi, but Pepsi no. is the brand in it, you know? I literally, when they put that Pepsi down and they did that product placement, I yeah. gasped. I yeah. said, oh my God, this is like a music video. Like yeah. this, the level of like nonchalant product placement <laughs> that Pepsi and that shot utilized. Yeah. Um, was out of this world. But I it completely was. agree with you because then the next line was like, what, we don't have Coke? <laughs> yeah. It's like, who's getting the better marketing there? I don't know. Because it, it I, showed Pepsi for the first time in like, I don't know, five years since I've heard anyone mention Pepsi. But they're talking about Coke, so. Also, what was what was up with all of the like diagonal shots? <laughs> there like was where no they theme. tilt the camera <laughs> where they tilt the camera there was no theme like i thought like that would like express like a point of view or like a, a specific emotion but really it felt yeah. like they were like oh we got bored and this needs to be switched up a little bit we're gonna throw in like a tilted shot another thing that i was confused about just randomly is the scene where they are like dancing in the middle of a tunnel somewhere <laughs> I was in Liverpool. Out. And it's like, did, <laughs> did they drive to the middle of the tunnel? How did they get there? Why are there no cars here? This appears to be like a, a usable road. I was, was very a, just it was confused as to too. all of that situation. It was literally at a corner where something could have come at any moment. And in that <laughs> moment, I don't know about you, I felt that they a, a bus was going to come and everything was going to go back to regular. Oh. <laughs> So I was feeling anxious about that. Yeah. I guess, you know, there were a lot of choices in this movie that didn't make real sense or have real weight to them. So it could have gone a lot of different ways that would have probably been more interesting. But all in all, it was a fine film, I felt. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would have preferred it be this kind of fun film than like have an honest to God Beatles <laughs> biopic. Like that to me sounds yeah. like it's never going to achieve what yeah. it's setting out to do. Right. I actually really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was yeah. so much fun. It was so crazy, yeah. but it kept me guessing and was weird. <laughs> and I liked all of the swings it took. Like, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Like it was a, it was a fun time. I mean, I can see all the criticisms, but I also feel like people are being a little unfair. I mean, I like movies that try something different and like this did in some ways, but not in others. And it just it worked for me. So if you had to say whether people listening to the podcast should go see it now in theaters, see it later or never see it. (laughs) What are you going to say? We'll start with Voss. I'm going to say, do it exactly how we did it. Go with a group of friends who are willing to have a good <laughs> laugh. Don't try to take it seriously. And even indulge in a Coke on your way in. Because that's what I did. I don't really typically <laughs> drink yes. soda. But the mixture of the sugar and the caffeine and the movie <laughs> had me feeling some type of way. Um, so yeah. I would say if you have access to discounted tickets, I would <laughs> um, head to the theater to see it. If not, you can probably um, keep it for an airplane ride. Mm -hmm. yeah I think it's a perfect airplane movie it's like it's definitely (laughs) fun to see with people but it also would be just delightful on a long flight and you're just wondering what to watch and this is the one you save in your back pocket I feel like so many bad movies have come out in the past couple of weeks and this was a fun good movie that if you're looking for something to see on 4th of July weekend with like your parents or your family or whatever this feels to me like a very solid choice yeah, that's fair. That's I agree. Fair. Plus diversity, you know, it's like a, a POC in a rom-com is always a delight to have. So 100%. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kate McKinnon's a lesbian. That bonus points for that. <laughs> James Corden's going to be playing a gay man soon. So that's diversity. I so you think. can just kind of feel that. In there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kate McKinnon's role is so good. Yeah, she's fun. Well, um, I did winners and losers. So uh, are we ready for this? Yes. So, Voss, I don't know if you um, are aware, but we do a segment (laughs) called Winners and Losers where one of us writes up a bit about or gives sort of an award to the winners and the losers that are in this movie. (laughs) And so Shelby is this week writing those up. Oh, I can't wait to hear. Looking forward to it. Okay. Okay. Let's cue the music and um, we'll start with the winners. 
Shout out to Wembley Stadium for some of the fastest Wi-Fi I've ever seen. Forget the thousands of people trying to drunkenly upload concert videos to their stories or periscope the entire concert for Stan Twitter. If we were anywhere else, all that concrete and competing devices would mean slow service and lag time. But not you, Wembley Stadium. You aim to deliver a double album of tracks to the World Wide Web. So press that button, Rocky. Upload all your songs, Jack, because this Wi-Fi connection is your friend tonight and nothing is going to stop you from getting your music to the masses because with this winning Wi-Fi the whole stadium will be able to download the album faster than you can say in breach of contract <laughs> wow wow spot on yeah it was a big moment big win so pretty <laughs> impressive um, and then uh, the losers if we can get into that a moment of silence for John, Paul, George, and Ringo, who in this universe are sitting at home living unbelievably average lives only to hear that they were meant for something much more by some random hotshot telling the world he stole all his greatest hits from the four of you strangers. The late life crisis this must beget, the questions this must stir up, to be told you were meant to be the most influential band of all time only to realize it's too late to do anything about it because some jackal just published all of your songs for you? Life doesn't get much worse than that. And sure, he gave you a shout out. But you know what else he gave you? An existential crisis. And a <laughs> world of disappointed people who realize you have no bloody clue what that guy was talking about. So back to your tea and crumpets, good sirs, because in this universe, <laughs> you are the losers. Aww. Sorry. Sorry. Aww. Sorry, John Paul George and Rango. I don't mean it. Well, but maybe some sad. of them are dead in this universe. I mean, John <laughs> Lennon isn't, but who knows? Maybe if Paul McCartney wasn't in the Beatles, he'd have been hit by a bus at some point. Also, how many people do you know who lived by Lighthouse? Yeah. <laughs> Personally, not any. Not one. It's a pretty I sick thinking, plot of land. Yeah. Yeah. Immediately yeah. when I saw it, like, there is no way that this that there's this, like, plot of land that is <laughs> undeveloped, that's absolutely gorgeous, and nobody is, like, putting up a beach house except for this well, one apparently, like, very poor guy. there is because they filmed there, Matt. Okay? So. Yeah. Maybe, maybe John Paul just, maybe John <laughs> just came well, in Well, I bet it money. was, like, a national park or someplace <laughs> that they filmed. Yeah, maybe. But in this universe, it might not have ever been because John bought the land. That's true. So that's true. Wow. So how he had money, we'll never know. <laughs> Mind blown. Sequel coming next yes. year. <laughs> Where he rewrites Harry Potter and gets yeah. all the money. Oh my god. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then goes through another there. midlife crisis and just <laughs> uploads all of that for free on the internet yeah. as well. He just yeah. adds it to a fan fiction site. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it becomes the Fifty Shades of Grey of this universe. Yes. <laughs> well, that's perfect. Wow. A segue into our uh, rapid fire questions because I was going to ask if you could change a part of Harry Potter because no one knew what it was. What would you take out? I don't know if you're a Harry Potter stand boss, but me, um, I'm not. I, I'll take, I, what would I take out? I would take out Daniel Radcliffe. Um, we're going movie <laughs> Harry Potter here. I would take out Daniel Radcliffe like wearing clothes because when he did this play, it was so fun that he was naked that I think it would be fun if he was naked in Harry Potter also. This is a children's movie, but, but yeah. maybe, you know? <laughs> It it's like the whole monster. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Harry's always naked. Yeah. That's the fun gimmick about him. And then it would be more like Fifty Shades of Grey. So no there you way. Go. We don't need to sexualize everyone, you know? <laughs> it could just be about magic and he could just be naked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's an interesting idea. I think I would just get rid of Neville. I hate Neville oh, so wow. much in the books and the movies, and he really he was useless. So Whoa. that's what I would do. Do you have so, thoughts? I would just take out the epilogue, I think. Just no one needs to know about them oh, yeah. 10 years later. <laughs> My question is, in this movie, he, the main character is so familiar with the Beatles that he can like <laughs> rewrite all of and play all of these songs. And mm-hmm. I want to know like what band slash singer, and we'll say aside from the Jonas Brothers and Taylor Swift, since we've already <laughs> touched on that, would you be able to like recreate the majority of their discography from them? So many. So <laughs> many, Matthew. <laughs> 
I don't, I can't remember lines. Like if I'm acting, like I can't remember lines to save my life. I remember every song I've ever heard. I could probably do like all time low. Um, oh, wow. Drake for sure. Drake, <laughs> but obviously I would, but I would, would be, I, yeah. I, I, I couldn't, I would, I would be prevented. It would be, I would do some rewriting. Um, yeah. so I could say what I could say. Yes. Um, <laughs> who else? Uh, oh my God, there's, there's literally the list goes on non Mumford and sons. Um, <laughs> This is such like a this yeah. is such a disparate group of bands, <laughs> boss. Mumford and Sons, Drake, and All Time Low. You know, just I three groups that yeah. you know you always you always lump together. In my in my brain, my heart always every day, baby. <laughs> I feel like I couldn't even do Taylor Swift, honestly. Like if if like I couldn't listen to the music to get my brain warmed up or something, I feel like I'd really fail to either get the lyrics or the melody on a lot of it. But I don't know who else I could even come close to, I guess. Shelby, can I ask you a question? A quick yeah. question? Yeah. Okay. What's the first Taylor Swift song you're thinking of? One, two, three, go. <laughs> Holy crap. Oh, okay. lyric? Oh, yeah. Probably yeah. spinning like a girl in a brand new dress. <gasps> Oh, my God. So cute. Oh, so cute. Sorry to take away from your moment, Matt. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's perfect. What's the first Taylor Swift lyric you think of, Matt? Um, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. Oh, <laughs> cute. <laughs> that was before she went psychotic. Well, um, I had a question. If you could willingly wipe your brain of one pop culture... <gasps> moment so oh that you God. never have to think about it so the world never has to bring it up again you could just erase it from our collective memories what would you oh, do wow wow um, can i get rid of carpool karaoke please? <laughs> <laughs> honestly i i will take it one for the team um and say the Kanye Taylor drama because everyone would look a whole lot smarter in three of the biggest fandoms of the world the Kardashian Taylor Swift and Kanye fandoms if none of that ever none of that discourse ever happened that's true but that is some good drama we'd be missing out on you're right you're that's facts I just I would miss that but I guess I wouldn't even know so you wouldn't know the world be like without that so interesting to think about (laughs) <laughs> what are you getting rid of, Shelby? I I want to say I would get rid of Frankenstein the novel just because I hate it that much. <laughs> <laughs> I really would. But then I realized I realized Jurassic Park is a Frankenstein story. So that would mean probably that Franken that Jurassic Park wouldn't wow. exist and that just really put me down. Wow. Uh a, a spinning you know spinning out so what if you were the only one who remembered it <laughs> who remembered jurassic park or who remembered yeah. frankenstein who remembered jurassic park i think i could i think i could recreate the movie i'd have a harder time with the book just because there's a lot of sciencey monologuing mm. going on but i think i could get the movie down pretty close yeah i think i'd be better at doing movies than music too yeah. i feel like i could i could do probably like 50 some movies at least <laughs> All of them really oh good, right, Matt? Well, I could at least like, remember <laughs> scene the scenes. You know what I mean? And then I'd yeah. have to like piece together like the dialogue in some places. <laughs> but I could at least like be like, okay, let's sit yeah. down. Like I can tell you the plot of Home Alone and yeah. get it basically yeah. correct. The world wouldn't have to go there. one single day without Big Fat Liar. So. <laughs> oh no, Thank Big you. Fat Liar would be the first one. <laughs> Thank I'd you, do. Matt. Yeah, that's what we're clamoring for. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you had to hire an SNL cast member as your manager, who would you hire? Pete Davidson so we could hook up. <laughs> <laughs> who did you say fast? I said Pete Davidson so we could hook up. <laughs> is that is that your top pick of who to hook up with in the history of SNL? Um I currently, yes. <laughs> I because I'm addicted to the drama. Yeah. <laughs> and I find him and I find him attractive despite the fact that I don't want to. And that's seemingly the only way we're going to be near each other is in this dream scenario where I'm forced to have that to manage my career. Yeah. So. You guys could have a romance. It'd be a new spin to the movie. I yeah. would choose Will Ferrell, I think. I think he'd oh, be that's funny. That's as a more a solid choice. Yeah. <laughs> 
I think I'd go with Kristen Wiig because, you know, she seems like she's funny, but she also seems very serious. I feel like she'd be a good, like, serious manager. Right. She could really get stuff done for you. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. I, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm switching my answer. I'm so sorry. I'm switching <laughs> to Leslie Jones because I think that oh, she yeah. would really she would get it done for me, and she yeah. would um she would she would be on my side. All start. She'd sure. be great on the phone, like booking you things. Easy. One time I saw her perform at the Comedy Cellar, and she was insane and so loud, and I loved it. <laughs> I loved every second of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so final question from me: Would you guys? ultimately feel so guilty that you would admit that they aren't your songs or would you chase oh, fortune and fame no. and hell <laughs> hell no <laughs> i would secure those brand deals and call it a day yeah <laughs> oh yeah i would i would be i would go further than him i would be stalking on the internet like who else is missing <laughs> what other things don't we have like i'm bringing all of it yeah how would you even start that process you just start Googling just like, random things. Yeah, just every day, like, just start Googling things. <laughs> Disney Channel, <laughs> Hannah Montana, RuPaul's Drag Race, yeah. Pride and Prejudice. Like, what is like what is there and what is there not? <laughs> Pride and Prejudice. I like how that made the cut. <laughs> yeah. Those are the four main things to about. Pride yeah. and Prejudice. <laughs> That's a good idea. My last question is just... What role do you want to see Ed Sheeran play next in a film now that he's been in Game of Thrones and also yes? Did he play himself on Game of Thrones? I'm sorry, I don't want <laughs> He was like uh <laughs> he was he was some guy who was like at a campfire and sang a song. <laughs> So not himself because it was in the Game of Thrones universe, but also sort of himself. <laughs> okay, I think I have my answer. Okay, <laughs> I want Shoot. Ed Sheeran playing half himself. I want him to play a songwriting serial killer in a horror movie. Oh, uh, I was just gonna say he should play a serial killer because I think wow. he'd really be able to lean into that. I think it'd be a really good role for him. He has sort of that dead-eyed look, you know. Like no offense, but yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah, he looks real grimy. They would require no makeup whatsoever. Ready to go. (laughs) I I feel like that's good. I could also see him. I feel like in a Miss Congeniality esque movie where he like goes through some kind of major transformation, you know, or maybe like a Princess Diaries thing. You think they could make him look as good as they made Sandra Bullock or Anne Hathaway? Well, they allude to that in the movie. She's like, she's like, this is what you look like after to the other guy. And then I'm like, that's what Ed Sheeran looks like after. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that's if I can see true. him as a sex symbol or anyone remotely attractive. If but... Pete Davidson is, then there's, <laughs> there's well, room that's for Ed up Sheeran. For debate, well, I mean, in my a... opinion. <laughs> Pete, Pete, Pete Davidson has swag. Yeah, Ed Sheeran... that's true. It's not that he doesn't have swag. He doesn't have a swag like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. He's a I, rapper. I... <laughs> How much more swag do you need? <laughs> oh, dear. This has really gone off the rails. I am excited for in the alternative timeline, though, when Voss comes out with Drake's albums. Yeah, so I'm also I, looking forward to that. That'll be interesting. When my company buys the rights to Drake's albums, <laughs> yes. I'm forced to re-release them one by one on my own because I own them in perpetuity. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Everybody, can, everybody can get ready. Yeah. That seems like a good SNL skit to have a white person have to remember all the lyrics to a, to a black of- person's discography. <laughs> One of my um in high school for Secret Santa, one of my friends requested the Take Care album, Drake's album that had just come out, uh-huh. and whoever got him for Secret Santa bought him the album, but also recorded herself never having heard it, singing the lyrics over lyric tracks, like over <laughs> karaoke tracks of it, and she was just like singing the lyrics over. It was the funniest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Um. And so I think That's it would just idea. honestly sound a lot like that. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. I am doing that for somebody yeah. this year. That's a shout out to Morgan Matone. <laughs> mm. 
You're killing it, Morgan. That is great. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast, Voss, for going yeah. to a movie, sitting through oh it. <laughs> you know my attention span. <laughs> and then coming on a podcast to talk about it for an hour. Like, this is a big move for you, and I'm so thankful that you did. This was yeah. so much fun. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much for having me on. It was a blast, and I'm down to see more movies with everyone in the future. Yeah. Now that I'm indulging in some Cokes while I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> and not Pepsis. Do you want to give out your social media stuff, Voss, so that people know where sure. to follow you? Absolutely. If they're like, we need more. Mm-hmm, Absolutely. Um, I assume that my name will be linked below. Um, you can shoot me a follow on Twitter <laughs> and or Instagram, depending on the content you're looking for. Twitter for the LOLs, Instagram for the thirst traps. Um, <laughs> at Vasilia Foxy. So that's my first name and then Foxy. Um, shoot me that follow. I'm on a, I'm on a journey to a thousand followers on Twitter. 12 years, <laughs> 500 bots strong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you should follow her and then be sure to follow us. We're at PS You're Wrong on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can always shoot us an email at PSYou'reWrong at gmail.com. Yes, and we got a really good email this week. But with the Taylor Swift drama, we did not have time to read it on this podcast, but we will address it next week. Yes. It it had some good stuff in there. Oh, good. I'm excited. Um, But thanks for being on the podcast again, Voss. And thanks for for listening, everybody. And we'll be back next week um, talking about Stranger Things, which will be exciting. Do you watch Voss? I don't, but I one time almost became a personal assistant for the woman who manages several of the kids. (laughs) So close to stardom. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, okay. That is all we have this week. But I'm... (laughs) But thanks for listening, guys. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 